Today's reading comes from Acts 2, verses 29 through to 42. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Travis. This is an Arabian Baptist Church. Hopefully, you're all in the right place today. Amen? All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into God's word. If you have Acts 2 open, that would be helpful for our purposes today. I'm going to pray, and uh, then we're going to get stuck into it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we um, can gather together as your family around your word, and we pray that as we yeah, approach um, this idea and these texts, Lord, that you would speak to us and uh, that we would listen. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we, we as humans love to gather around certain things. It's kind of in our DNA. Uh, we can't help it. Um, we love to find community, identity, joy, meaning in a shared interest or love. Uh, and each of us probably have many different things in our lives, if you think about it, that we find ourselves gathering around. For some of us, family might be that thing that we find ourselves gathering around week in and week out where we're constantly meeting up with brothers, sisters, dads, moms, grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, in-laws to catch up, have a meal, talk about life, get told that we should eat more, that we should eat less, uh, we should date this friend of a friend, we should be more present, we should call more often. Uh, many of us gather around sports teams. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a Liverpool football fan, and a few months ago, they won the European Championship 
Um, uh, anyway, uh, and uh, there were, I found myself amongst millions and millions of people around the world caught up in this moment as they lifted the championship trophy. Uh, we hugged, we shouted for joy, we got on Facebook and uh, talked with others, uh, recalling our favorite moments from this amazing season that we just witnessed And millions of people around the world uh, will sing this song together called You'll Never Walk Alone, which is this Liverpool anthem that uh, brings together all these people, uh, all these different random people all over the place under one common love, the love of a sports team, uh, of all things. So whether it's travel or politics or video games or the stock market or the Marvel Cinematic Universe or posting photos of dogs, or hiking, or surfing, or underwater basket weaving, or eating, or or anything else, we as humans tend to find ourselves gathering around different things uh, in order to find something that connects us and fills us to some degree. It's, It's really part of who we are. And it's no coincidence that since the beginning of time then, God's people have known this about ourselves that we crave community and we'll look for something to gather around, something to make a central part of our lives. So when God's people had fled Egypt and found themselves wandering around, wondering what it was besides their ethnicity that united them, uh, it's no coincidence that the Lord calls Moses up onto a mountain. God looks down and he sees a people who are desperate for meaning and identity and direction. So what does God do? Uh, God gives Moses his word, his law, an explanation of who he is and who they are as God's people and what it means to live their best lives as a new free people together. This word made a bunch of aimless vagabonds a nation. It gave them identity, purpose, something to gather around. Centuries later, the Jewish people found themselves exiled from the promised land Uh, They were there because they had, in the words of the prophets, abandoned the word of the Lord. They stopped living out his ways. They ignored God's wisdom. But circumstances changed, and a few people were able to head back to the homeland uh, to leave exile. But when they got there, everything was just in ruins. And even though they were back home, they were still a defeated and hopeless people. So what did they do? Well, a priest named Ezra gathered them together, and he chose to do something to unite them, to give them hope, to remind them of where they have been and where they are going. He read the word of the Lord to them. And as he did, people were cut to their soul, and they mourned at where they failed to listen and obey uh, and live out this word. But then they partied, strangely enough. They spent some time crying, and then they spent some time partying because The final word God gives is not despair, but delight. Not brokenness, but beauty. Some few hundred years after this, 12 young men, many women, children, and varying crowds of people gather around a man named Jesus. John, who is one of this man's many followers, wrote that Jesus is the word of God. That all things God has said over the past two 2,000 years, summarized, displayed in all its fullness in a person, the living embodiment of all the promises and truths and wisdom of God here in the flesh. And many of those earliest followers were so convinced this word held everything for them that they were willing to even die 
to give up their life for him. And for the last 2,000 years, countless communities have and still do gather around Jesus, the living word, and this, God's written word to us. But why? Why? Why is it that people for several millennia gather together once or even several times a week around the word of God? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that Christians in places like North Korea smuggle this book across borders and stay up until the darkest hour of night in order to meet with their neighbors in secret locations like basements and caves to read and talk about this thing, risking their lives to do so? Why do we here at NBC keep talking about Jesus in his word week after week after week? I mean, if you think about it, this church has existed for about 60 years now. And let's just say, for mathematical purposes, that we have had one gathering, one one-hour gathering each week for those 60 years. Now, there's been a lot more than that, but just for easy math for me. Uh, let's just say that in that 60-year period, we have gathered here once a week for one hour. If you then add up that time period, what's happened in that time period, that means that over 3,000 sermons have been preached, over 12,000 songs derived from God's word have been sung, 200,000 hours spent praying God's word, encouraging one another with God's word, being challenged by God's word. That's a lot. That's a lot of God's word. Uh, I don't know about you. I watch Netflix maybe sometimes too much. And after a while on Netflix, a screen will pop up that says, are you still watching? Like, really? Shouldn't you be outside, like, exercising or something? That's what it implies, right? Because maybe you should be doing something else. Does that screen need to pop up for us here at NBC? Like, have you gotten too much of God's word? Like, why are we still doing this? Why do we gather around this word every week? Why? Well, last week, Leon shared uh, with us our vision for our church, who we are and where we feel like God's spirit is leading us, um, and what we want to find ourselves doing. And starting today and for the next few weeks, um, we are going to further define what our values are as our community. Uh, talking about what is it that makes us us? What do we want to find ourselves doing? Uh, and so we are beginning this week by looking at this concept that we are a people who gather around the word of God. But before we assume that that's what we should be doing, we should ask ourselves the question, why? Why should we be doing that? Well, when God speaks, things happen. If you open up to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, uh, there are three little words in English that get said over and over in that first chapter. Uh, it's this, and God said. And God said. And whatever he said, whatever he spoke, whatever his word was, that thing came into being. Sun, moon, stars, oceans, jungles, kookaburras, barramundis, Travis Mundies, sometime later, all came into being. And when Jesus uh, is taken to a sick little girl, uh, he gets notified that this girl is dying. He, he goes, he's on his way, but then he finds out when he gets there it's too late. She's already passed away. But Jesus, he's not, he's not discouraged. He grabs the little girl's hand and he speaks to her. He says... Little girl, get up. And at his word, his, her eyes open. Her lungs fill with oxygen. Blood circulates through veins that had recently stopped working. 
Isaiah, who is one of God's spokespeople in pre-exilic times, was given these words to write. This is going to appear on the screen. From Isaiah 55, he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We gather around God's word because when we study it, read it, hear it, live it, it does something to us. Something happens to us. When I was on a mission trip uh, to Mexico about 20 years ago, I remember that one evening we spent uh, that night just reading through the crucifixion story. Everything that happened uh, during Jesus' last night. Uh, No sermon was preached. There was no laser light show or smoke machine or rocking worship band or anything to sort of mess with or manipulate your emotions or anything. We just simply sat there and we we read God's word. And I remember as we sat there um, and reading this story, uh, one person on the other end of the room starts weeping. And then another. And then another. And soon the whole room was filled with tears as people heard and understood what was going on. Other times, I've heard God's word spoken, read, sung, prayed gently, softly, lovingly by different people week after week, year after year. And in those moments, there wasn't some big emotional expression or crazy instant change in direction in in my life, but a subtle, uh, powerful transformation going on in my heart. So, with that being said, um, I want to spend the next 90 seconds and have you guys ask a question of one another. So turn to someone around you, or maybe you want to get up and walk to the other side of the room, and reflect on this question that's going to appear on the screen. How has the Word of God affected, changed, and shaped you? How has the Word of God affected, changed, and shaped you? Turn to one another, spend 90 seconds answering this question, go. Go. Thirty more seconds.
All right, we're going to have uh, another question in just a minute. But before we do, um, the author of Hebrews says this in chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So not only does God's word make something happen, but it dives down deep into the core of our being and shows us who we are. Uh, Perhaps the darkest period of David's life, he's on a rooftop and uh, he finds himself looking out across the rooftop and he sees uh, what he thinks is a beautiful woman who's, uh, who's showering and he's tempted and he has her brought over uh, to his place. Uh, they sleep together and the woman falls pregnant and David tries to cover up uh, his adultery by having her husband killed. It's not a great story. And just when David thinks he's gotten away with it, Uh, The word of the Lord comes to a a guy named Nathan, a a prophet. And Nathan meets up with David, and he tells David a story. The story tells is that David there once was a rich man who had plenty of sheep. He had lots and lots of sheep, everything he wanted, he had. And there was one poor man with just one sheep, uh, one little sheep that he loved and cared for intensely. But that rich man stole that sheep from that poor man leaving him with nothing. When David hears this story, he gets really fired up. And he says, this rich man must die for what he's done because it's so detestable. And then Nathan says, uh, shares God's word with David. And he says, David, you are that man. And David, realizing what has just happened and hearing God's word, uh, falls down, tears his clothes, and he spends... A week in sackcloth and mourning. You can read all about David's reaction in Psalm 51 later. But God's word essentially had found him out. And this is what God's word does in us. It does not leave you the same. It's powerful. And like a surgical knife cuts out those bits of you that are cancerous to your soul. It makes you more fully human. More like Jesus. Which leads us to our next question... Uh, turn to someone again and uh, ask this question. Has there been a time where God's word has cut you to the core? 90 seconds, go.
30 more seconds. Just as you guys have been sharing, uh, when God's people gather around God's word, things happen. Something happens within us. Um, You can actually see this happening all over the early church. If you have Acts 2 still open, that would be helpful. In Acts 2, Peter is speaking to a crowd of foreigners who are in town for a festival. And God's spirit enables each person to hear Peter and his companions in their own language. And Peter reminds them that God's word from ancient times points forward to Jesus. This Jesus, he says, can't be held down by death and actually conquered death to bring us life. And Peter finishes uh, by saying this. Have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's the king and he's the, he's the chosen one, the anointed. Upon hearing God's word, take a look at how the crowd respond to this in verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, this, uh, this God's word through Peter, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Then the very next thing that happens after being transformed by God's word takes place in Verse 42, have a look at that. After hearing this, wanting to know how they to respond, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Their instant response to being cut to the core by this powerful proclamation was to gather around God's word, to find shepherds to lead and teach them so they could sing God's word, pray God's word, hear God's word, speak God's word, and live God's word out. The natural reaction people have upon being rescued, transformed, and redeemed is to gather together, to share life, to hunger for more. So communities were formed and continue to be formed, centered around God's word. People do this. We do this because the word of God unifies us, builds us up, inspires us, transforms us. Now, as much as I love things like Star Wars or Liverpool or biking or anime or hiking, or all, there's lots of things I gather around that I enjoy that make me happy, at least momentarily or whatever. Uh, none of those things have the power to rescue me, to repair my heart, to guide me in every area of my life. They may be good or fun and that's great, but they don't transform me. We've been talking about lots of exciting things happening around NBC for the past few weeks, if you've been here, um, places we feel God's Spirit is leading us to. And one thing I believe we have always been on about here at NBC and want to continue to stand on is that we are God's family who gather around God's Word, preached, studied, sung, prayed, shared. 
We want you to experience God's transformative power wherever and whenever we gather. Here at church services, at community groups throughout the week, at ministry events, as we hang out uh, with one another and with others in cafes, pubs, stadiums, homes, wherever you find yourself. For this reason, we will continue to make God's word central in our lives and in our church community. You may have heard Leon last week say one of the changes that we are having is uh, to have identifiable service pastors. And so Kieran is going to be overseeing the PM church service, and I will oversee the AM church service. And then Leon will be available at both, and he'll be leading the whole church. Uh, Like the listeners of Peter's sermon gathered around the apostles' teaching uh, to learn, to grow, and do life together, we want those who gather in each service to know that there is a pastor caring for them, praying for them, and thinking deeply about how we communicate and live out God's word together. There will also be elders at each service who will be available to meet with you, to pray with you, to chat with you, and to care for you. We're also looking for people who would love to be involved in how we gather around God's word each week. People who are keen to share stories, give testimonies, think about... Uh, help us think creatively about how we gather in inspiring and unique ways each week. If you'd like to be involved in thinking about, praying about, and planning how we meet uh, around God's word, each week we'd love for you to be a part of one of our service teams that are going to be forming. But the vision around our services is just a microcosm of what is happening in all the places and spaces that we find ourselves gathering in. That if God's word is his instruction his encouragement to us. If in Peter's words in John 6, that we have nowhere else to go because Jesus alone holds the words of eternal life, then let's be a people who intentionally find ourselves immersed in scripture, enmeshed in the life of Jesus. Um, Let's be those people, both corporately, how we do this together when we gather, but also individually. How do we do that? How do we do that as individuals? Let me just share a few final thoughts. Um, There have been times over the past 26 years of my faith where I found it difficult uh, to find myself motivated to dive into God's Word. Maybe you have too. Whether it's through busyness of life or confusion over certain passages or wrestling with what I'm reading or feeling uninspired in my devotional time or just a stage of life that I find myself in, it can be tough sometimes to be a person planted in God's Word. I, I realize that. But if we know God's word is powerful and transformative and worth gathering around, how can we find ourselves enjoying it? Uh, A few thoughts. Number one, tips for reading our Bible better and enjoying it. Number one, use a Bible reading plan. Now, you can find these on your phone. Uh, There's different programs and apps you can download. You can find this online. Uh, Even some Bibles have them programmed in. Uh, Just You can find them there. Uh, There are hundreds of different plans. You can find them online. You can download apps. Uh, There are plans to read straight through the Bible, uh, plans that will help you read Old Testament, New Testament at the same time, uh, plans that you can read chronologically, books of the individual books of the Bible, whatever it is. You can find plans to read the Bible in a month, a year, in two years, over a period of time. And why I find this helpful, uh, why uh, I use uh, a Bible app to help me with my regular Bible reading, is that sometimes I just forget, uh, or I need help, uh, or I found that the thing that I've done, and I'm sure you've done, like, let's be honest, like, okay, God, just 
I'm going to let the Bible fall open, and I'm just going to read what you have to say to me right then and there. And then, like, okay, maybe that works, and that's helpful every once in a while. But is that sustainable? Probably not. So that's why I find having these plans, whether it's an app like I use or just finding something that you can print out and put in front of you, super helpful, super rewarding. And when you finish something, it's like, oh, I get a tick. That's awesome. Fantastic. Um, And even if you can't remember every bit or even if you fall behind, you're trying to do a Bible in a year or something and you fall behind, keep going because you'll be surprised how the Spirit brings back the things that you've read. Uh, and if you want to find a plan or need help on doing that or uh, a schedule on how you can do that better, come and chat with me. I'd love to help you do that. Which brings me to my second point. Read the Bible with someone else. Uh, sometimes when I read God's Word, I get distracted or maybe I don't quite understand what's being said. Uh, but to have someone else read with me and reflect with me is so helpful. Um, for most of the history of God's people, there have been communities formed just like this, to read and pray and sing God's word together. Um, as I mentioned, this app that I use, uh, Shauna and I are on a Bible reading plan together uh, through this app. And so uh, I will get reminders every day, usually at a point of the day where I programmed it where I know I'm, I'm doing a lot less, and it'll pop up and say, hey, you're supposed to read. And if I don't read... Uh, because I'm doing the plan with Shauna, she'll know if I don't read. And then she'll do her normal wifely thing where just like she's like, Travis, have you taken out the rubbish today? She'll be like, Travis, I noticed you didn't read the Bible passage today. You didn't make any comments. You really need to do that. And I actually find it really helpful to have someone uh, to do that with. And on my app in particular, you can read, you can leave comments and notes and stuff that you find found interesting. To have that with someone else is really helpful. Um, and so whether that's using an app or joining a community group or simply just finding someone else that you want to sit down and read the Bible with, I'd highly recommend doing so. One other thing that I found, if you want to share Jesus with your friends, ask them to read the Bible with you. We often think, well, if I really want to share the gospel, I need to be super persuasive. I need to have the best arguments. Like I have to like, I just have to have everything all stacked up right. And you don't. Really? Just try asking a friend of yours to say, hey, I'm reading through the Bible. I'm wondering, do you want to read this chapter with me and tell me what you think? I've done it, and it's been super powerful and simple. Um, Just to do that, you'd be amazed what God can and will do. Third, get deep. Um, If reading the Bible is difficult for you or you find yourself getting stuck at long genealogies or something, or you can't make heads or tails of what's getting mentioned, or you just don't find yourself challenged enough by God's word, maybe it's time to go deeper. And there's lots of ways you can do that, right? You can sign yourself up for Bible college and hang out with Kit all the time, right? But you don't need to do that. You can uh, find and purchase lots of expensive Bible commentaries that will uh, are really thick and tell you all the ins and outs of Greek and Hebrew, but you don't need to do that either. There are actually simple ways that you can get deep. The simplest way that I love is uh, getting a study Bible. You can buy one or you can just get online. They have these things online. This is mine from uh, that I've used decades ago, so much so I've had to duct tape it and parts of the Bible just fall out because um, I've used it and read it and highlighted so much stuff in it. But what's good about this, I'll just take this a little bit, <laughs> um, 
There are little footnotes on all of the verses that are on here. So if there's something that's confusing or historical thing, you can look down and look at the footnotes and you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Or there's other like cross-references that say, oh, this verse uh, sounds a lot like this verse or relates to this other verse in the Bible that you might want to check out. This one has like different charts and stuff and maps on it. And at the uh, beginning of each chapter of the Bible, there's little introductions to say who's writing this, who they're writing it to, when they're writing, why they're writing, um, bringing out themes and purpose. And it's super helpful to just sit down and be like, okay, maybe I'm a bit stuck or I've read this before. I need some more information. Having something as simple as a study Bible, I found really, really helpful you don't, you can go to Bible college and maybe you should. You can buy commentaries and go to conferences and maybe you should. But something as simple as getting a study Bible uh, and looking at stuff online or in a book can actually help you improve your Bible study. And then lastly, simplify. So get deep, but also simplify. We often think when we read God's word, it should make us immediately feel different. Uh, just like we've learned some new magic words from Professor Dumbledore or something, right? Like, it should magically do something in us and to us whenever we read the Bible. And sometimes, I have read the Bible, and it has felt like that, where God just speaks to me in some clear and powerful way, and I feel a peace, or I feel like I should be doing something differently. But lots of times I read the Bible, and I don't necessarily feel anything. But I don't think the point of reading the Bible is how it makes you feel. I think the point of the Bible revolves around asking two questions. One, what does it mean? So you read a verse, ask, what, do you, what does this mean? And secondly, ask, how do I then respond? What does it mean, and how do I respond? So if you read that God is the God who loves the fatherless, the foreigner, and the widow, what does that mean? What does that say about who God is and what he's on about? And therefore, how should I respond? What should I do? When I think about kids without parents, uh, foster kids, refugees, or shut-ins, shouldn't that change how I respond? You'd be surprised how differently your life would be if all we did is ask those two questions when we read the Bible instead of waiting for something magical to happen. God's Word does what God sets out for it to accomplish. Uh, It cuts us to the core of who we are. It reveals truth. It convicts us of sin. It guides us in life. It transforms, renews, repairs, and makes new. And for these reasons, we want to be a church who regularly gather around God's word each week. And we would love your help to continue to do that. And we would love to help you to do that in your life as well. Let me end by where we began our service, Daniel read to us the words from Psalm chapter 1, and that's how I'm going to end. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree, Planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. May this be true of you and me. Amen.